and welcome to episode 88 of No Crying in Baseball, the Breaking Up is Hard to Do episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. I've missed you so much. I've been away and not watching baseball, and I missed a really awesome game with you, at least one. Was it just one? I, I went to a couple without you. I felt like I was cheating on you a little bit. But I, you know, I texted you a couple times during the game, so you knew I was thinking about you. I so much appreciated that. I was in a stadium. It was not a baseball stadium, and a sport was not happening in the stadium. But I was in the, I think it's Gillette. I used to know it as Sullivan Stadium, where the Patriots play. It was Foxborough. I was that. It, I mean, the Foxborough is the town. Okay. Yeah, but I think it's Gillette Stadium. I think yeah, it, it's it, a, it is. Yeah. I had to look it up because so I was like, it's Foxborough. Wait, no, it hasn't been. What? Wait. Yeah, that is it. Google but I was, was my friend. I knew where you were in a concert. Yes. But in a sports venue. So there was at least that kind of cosmic connection. <sighs> there was that. On today's show, we're going to start with breaking up is hard to do. We've got some boyfriends to send on their way and wish them well. The White Sox and the Nationals are in first place. Not in the way you think. Not in the way that any no one is fooled by this. But they are actually leaders in, in, in protective netting. And I think that's cool. Manny Machado versus the Umpires Union. Kind of a smackdown happening there. We're going to catch you up on that. Tampa Bay and Montreal might be united with one baseball team. A little weird. We're kind of here for it. A little bit. We're going to check in with the All-Star primary results because we made some predictions. We made some hopes and dreams available to you. So we're going to tell you where that stands. And we are so very excited to welcome our special guest, umpire Perry Barber, who is fresh off umpiring at the Girls Breakthrough Series and on her way to San Diego and pulled over at a truck stop, at a rest stop, to call us and help us understand what's happening with girls and women in baseball right at this very moment. And stick around for that because she's pretty awesome. Breakups. That's how we're starting, right? With our breakups. So I am losing a boyfriend, but I'm gaining a team. So I'm looking forward. Well, I mean, this is, means that I can pick somebody else from the Cleveland team because once you don't you have can. a boyfriend on a team, now I can use that team when, say, another one of my catchers gets injured, which is what keeps happening. But the guy I'm losing, I'm really sad about. It's Leonis Martin, who I spoke about just last week because he fucking stole home plate, which is an amazing feat. But he was released. Uh, His numbers were not good defensively or offensively. And just this past week, there was a kerfuffle. Uh, What what are our words for this? Uh, A dust up? Yeah. A a to do? A a thing. A a thing between between Leonis and your boyfriend from last year, uh, Lindor. Because I guess... Leonis had not made a play and Lindor had something to say about it. And this brings up my question with how do you support a player who is doing poorly? And I'm wondering which angle Lindor took if it was, hey, man, can I help you out with figuring out how to catch the fucking ball in center field? Or if it was you totally blew that, which approach he took. But apparently they had to be separated by Jose Ramirez and a couple of coaches, including Sende Alomar. Um, so it was quite a dust up and, uh, Lindor was asked what he had said to him, which is what I'm wondering. And he said that I said, I liked his cologne and he said, thanks. Oh, style points for that. Mm -hmm. That is the way to keep it in the family. None of our business, but I'm dying to know too. I really do want to know, but I'm sad about losing Martin. So he's DFA designated for assignment 
And uh, and I feel bad. We, uh, the, you know, the thing about these baseball boyfriends, these are the guys that we carefully pick in the off season because they have something cool about them, something special on the field and off. And with Martin, he had overcome this crazy bacterial infection last year. He had to come back into shape, and it just maybe he just didn't make it all the way back. Maybe it did more damage than we thought. But bye. Yeah. So the Cleveland team is making room for some young bucks coming up from the minor leagues. So out with the old. Sorry. Yep. That's what happens this time of year is we're getting closer to the trade deadline, closer to the All Star break when people make hard decisions. What are we going to do? Are we going to cut bait? Are we going to stick it out? So bait was cut at the Washington Nationals with Trevor Rosenthal. Trevor Rosenthal not, was not really my boyfriend because we don't allow pitchers as boyfriends, but we do pick pitching squads. And he was part of my national squad. And I did profile him because he throws a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. The problem is he can't hit the strike zone. So we did use him as a baseball math segment to talk about his ERA of infinity. How long did that last? It lasted for too many weeks. Yeah. And then he had a... You're going to hear my air quotes here, viral infection, and was sent to the IL. That happened because he was out of minor league options. They could not just send him back to the minor leagues. But if you're on the IL of any length, you can go to the minor leagues on a rehab assignment. So they were playing a little fast and loose. So he came back, and I saw him play earlier last week, and they called him in for one out, and he got it. And he got a standing ovation. It was so exciting to see him come back and do what he's been paid $7 million to do. Do your job. I also saw him load the bases against Atlanta by walking player after player. And it was after that game that the Nationals said, nope, you know, we don't have time for this. We were really hoping and it's not going to happen. So, so long, Trevor Rosenthal and your ERA, which came all the way down to 22 Point seven four. So what's the math down from infinity to that? Is that a He actually thing? was down into the teens with the one out that I saw him make earlier this week, and then it went right back up. So he went from infinity to beyond. <laughs> That's great. That is great. So let's talk about some players that we love. Do Maybe. We? No, we? not at all. I, You know, I really still have this thing against Machado. It goes back to his Orioles days and his attitude, which apparently the umpires don't like so much either. And he did have a kerfuffle, one of whatever words that we're going to use, conflict, where he was arguing balls and strikes and he got pissed. And if you see the video, he really does kind of look like a middle schooler. It's just fuck, fuck, fuck. I mean, and I, of course, don't mind the language per se, but, you know, you, you should say something a little bit more intelligible at that state or just not argue balls and strikes or whatever. And then definitely not throw your bat, which is what got him in trouble. Well, they also said that he hit the umpire, which upon further review did not seem to actually happen. I, didn't they say contact? They said is, contact, is that there? But with all the exclamation points, which you'll get to in a minute. Yeah. So yeah. The, the umpires did not like any of this. And their tweet called him out personally and was really a middle school reaction. So it's sort of like I don't have a side that I can deal with at all here because the umpires said in capital letters, which we this know is, is the yelling. Umpires union. Yeah. The umpires union. So it's an official tweet. Who who knows who's in charge of that? Apparently said, a 14-year-old boy. Apparently, because they said violently, in all caps, throwing his bat against the backstop with absolutely no regard to anyone's safety. I mean, of course, he's in a, he's having a fit after he's been uh, called out. 
But then they go on to say that violence in the workplace is not tolerated and offenders are dealt with severely and even made examples of for the good of its employees as well as the company itself. Is this truly what MLB wants to teach our youth? So it's a really interesting definition or claiming, you know, this is our workplace and we're not going to deal with violence there. I can understand that. It's something about how the message was phrased and put out there. So, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to give you a couple of examples of why this was not okay for the uh, for the umpires union to do. Granted, nothing that Manny Machado did was okay. I am clear on that. I'm all for that. But this response was not okay because the. The union used the phrase workplace violence, which is actually a legal term. And the and MLB, Joe, Joe Torrey, called out the union on this and said it was an inappropriate comparison because it is a legal term, which invokes OSHA. I mean, it becomes like this could be like there could be federal involvement. There could be a lawsuit. Over it could that. be. Yeah, because it's a it's a very specific term. They also called Machado out by name. Now, if a player cites a specific umpire and complains about them or you know says crap about them or whatever and on social media that player gets fined the umpires union does not usually ever probably never before have they called out a player by name until they did this so this was unusual and weird and very personal they also used 1012 hashtags and some of them were kind of loaded like repeat offender that's kind of uncalled for. So here's one of my issues right now is that I think a union hired an independent contractor who was 14. So I've got problems. Oh, to do the tweet. To do the tweeting. Yeah. So I've got problems with that whole hiring policy and all of that. But I think they still don't know who actually did that. But that's gross and yucky. And you're right. I hate to defend Machado because he was completely wrong in everything that he did. And yet this response was not okay. We'll see where it goes from here. I'm taking us to a happy place, the happy place in oh, which good. the White Sox lead the American League and the Nationals lead the National League. And here's how that happens. Have you told your brother-in-law about this? He'll hear it when the rest of the, when you guys all, all hear right. it right hey now. Hey there, okay, listen so, up. So the White Sox were the first to announce they are extending protective netting all the way to the foul poles. Who talked about that recently? No, Crying in Baseball talked about that pretty darn recently. You heard it here. You heard it here. And the Nationals are extending their netting not quite to the foul poles, but almost. They're kind of doing the whole curved part of the of the bowl of the stadium, and they're doing it actually before the White Sox. They they've identified the All Star break as when they're going to install the new netting, and they made a point of saying, "Here's what we're doing for you, fans. In addition to protecting you because we care about your safety, we've got this new version of this mesh that's practically transparent." So it's not going to mess with your sight lines. So you people who say, I pay good money for these seats, I, I'm, I'm willing to risk dying to see the ball game. You're not going to have that sight line worry. But also, this is also very cool. They can raise and lower the netting around the dugout. So in pregame, when all the six-year-old kids run down and want to get, you know, get stuff signed by the players and talk to the players, they still can. They can still have that personal interaction. Then they can drop the netting and keep everybody safe. Well done, Nationals. Yeah. So um, Bellinger had a foul ball in in, in Dodger Stadium that sent a woman to the hospital. And she was sitting like just past the dugout. So just past where the netting is now. And he feels terrible. And he's like, come on, let's do this thing dodgers haven't announced yet but i'm hoping i mean someone died in dodger stadium last year hello dodgers are you listening right yeah it's time it's time so yay for white Sox and nationals 
Tampa Bay is a terrible place to see a ball game. It sucks. It right? sucks. Nobody yep. goes. The stadium is terrible. Um, and, you know, Montreal really wants a baseball team because, hey, the Nationals are here now. It used to be the Expos. So guess, what's, guess what might happen? It's not going to happen. Not in a million years. But Tampa Bay got permission from Major League Baseball to exploring um, like a timeshare. <laughs> with Montreal. That's such a good way to put it. Right? So the team would play the beginning of the season in Tampa Bay before the roof needs to be closed and then move to Montreal for the rest of the year. And God bless you, Deadspin, for calling the Tampontreal X-rays. Yeah, I saw a whole Twitter feed on people suggesting different names for it mm -hmm. and that I think they kind of copped it from there. There were a lot of yeah. interesting combos. I'm pretty excited about that. It looks like the um the son of the former owner of the Expos may buy an ownership stake in this, which kind of kind of got this going. Um Montreal is motivated to show themselves deserving of a team because we've talked before about maybe the team might expand. Montreal wants a team back. There's only one team in Canada right now. Um but neither city has a good ballpark. So that would mean like two stadiums would need to be built. Right now, the lease on Tropicana Field goes through 2027. They're not giving that up. And the city of Tampa is, or St. Petersburg, I guess, is not giving that up anytime soon. And then there's all these international issues. You're, you're a two, you'd be a two country team. It's not like they play, you know, it's not like they're snowbirds that they're going, you know, to New England. They're going across you know, international borders and the entire staff of the team, like all the, the office staff, everybody would have to move for all those months. How do you deal with households and uprooting your families or not? I mean, the guys who are billionaires, big deal, but they're very few. The logistics sound intimidating. So A, it's not going to happen in a million years, but B, I love the thinking outside the box. I think Extra plus thumbs up for having a creative idea to solve a couple of problems. I agree. I'm behind you. The last two weeks, we gave you our picks for for the All-Star Game, for who we wanted to see get into get through the primary election, right, where we could all vote for, uh, you know, as many times as we wanted to get to the top three in for every position. The finals, the final election, the real election is going to be on Wednesday. So pay attention Wednesday. You only get one vote. This is not this, yes, repeat my vote over and over and over. You can only vote once. So think strategically. When I just want to be really clear with my fix here because it's going to come out very clearly very soon that they kind of sucked, that I was picking who I wanted to be in. Mm -hmm. So the past couple of weeks, we've talked about why these guys deserve it. But I kind of knew that they weren't really the shoe-ins. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I... But deserving, deserving is a wider, it's a wide net. Right, right. And and I definitely have my own whacked out version of what deserving means. Okay. Because I'm, my my logic was was not um, conventional, shall we say. I'm going to share a little bit of how sausage gets made. Oh, I didn't say that in front of a, vegetar a vegetarian here. So I <laughs> very, sausage. I very carefully <laughs> color coded the results of of this whole primary election so I could say, well, Potty Mouth voted for, and I suggested, and we both, and um, we printed it out in, in gray, oh, grayscale. So, <laughs> I think right. I remember what happened. So let's start with first base, my friends. I had Carlos Santana of the Cleveland team, and yes, he is on the list for the American League. We both had Josh Bell for the National League, so we did pretty well for we first did. base. And the Josh Bell was definitely, like, he is qualified. Un undoubtedly qualified and a nice guy. So there was the double logic there for that one. And Carlos Santana, there's all kinds of musical reasons for 
Oh, oh wait, different yeah. guy. Okay. Um, second base, we also did very well. Thank you very much. Um, DJ LeMayhew, my Yankees boyfriend, made it for the American League. Um, and Ketel Marte, Potty Mouth's Diamondbacks boyfriend and her pick, uh, made it for the National League. And Mike Mustakas of the Brewers, my my former boyfriend, also is on the list for the National League. So good for us there. And I want to back you up a little bit on why these are not only our picks, but they're good picks. LeMayhew right now has... Has 10 home runs and it is June and his career high is 15. So he's apparently adapting to the Yankees quite well. Ouch, that hurts. Maybe to all say. that hair was holding him down. That hurts. Back, or I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, along the lines of my flawless logic, I talked about why I picked Ketel Marte. And it was because I knew he was related somehow to Vladimir Guerrero. So there must be some <laughs> sort of connection there. But I wasn't quite sure how. I have figured it out since then. He is married to Guerrero's cousin, Elisa Guerrero. There you go. That's what cousin-in-law means. That's what cousin-in-law means. Got it. Means. Oh, yeah. that and that so is the, the right direction of it. I wasn't sure if it was a Marte Guerrero connection. Doesn't make as much sense because he's younger. So yeah. yeah, there it is. So um, mistakes were made with third base, but they, <laughs> weren't, were they made. weren't made on our part because we had the right guy, but the right guy was not voted in. Um, Potty Ma- Wait, we had nobody who is all the way on. Uh, Potty Mouth just missed with Rafael Devers from the Red Sox. One more Chipotle gift card and he would have gotten it. It's true. Yeah, damn it, Rendon. There was even that article that I posted on our Facebook feed about how Rendon was the most overlooked. Hello, I'm here. We both picked him and he didn't make it. Is there going to be a, another vote like that that fan runoff thing again? I don't think so. I do think the players get to do a round. Hello, players. Hello, players. Pay attention to this guy that you don't want to hit the ball to ever. Um, Shortstop. Hello, twins. Jorge Polanco. We see you, twins. Made it for the American League. And um, Tim Anderson just missed for the American League. And that was actually my pick, strangely, because it's your ex-boyfriend, right, from last year. But I actually thought that he would make it. And so I was yet again very, very close to almost being right. Almost right. Um, and Trevor Story, I I picked for a shortstop for National League. He was my boyfriend last year. And there is, you know what? There's a there's a pattern here. A lot of my last year's boyfriends are all-stars and not so many of the this year's boyfriends. I have another example and I have another bit of flawless logic of why he actually <laughs> deserves it. And that's your ex-boyfriend, Javier Baez from the Cubs. I love you, Javi. Not only is he amazing, but he has this, there was this great little uh, video this past week of a kid who was a huge fan, time, must have been like eight years old and was just so full of emotion when he saw him that he just burst into tears and Javi just sort of hugs him and says it's okay and hangs out there with this crying kid so yeah you deserve to be an all-star so that more kids can come out there I want to do a little bit of a shout out for the catcher position where we picked nobody successfully but apparently I became I came really close because I picked a Wilson just the wrong one Wilson Ramos was who I picked because of the marriage proposal thing go back to last week but oh, Wilson baby announcement oh that was it not marriage shit ba- baby marriage yeah. Yeah, yeah one of those things right <laughs> baby announcement I should go back and listen to last week Wilson Contreras was actually the one who came in and again he deserves props because he was also in a hugging kid video this past week which is incredibly adorable it's actually a kid with some sort of developmental disability 
buddies who just hugs him and he hugs him back. You know, the kid's just full of emotion. And so that's a beautiful thing. Can can I say one more thing about hugs while we're talking about hugs? I can't stop you if I want to. <laughs> hugs and baseball go together like, yeah. Hugs and baseball. Hugs and baseball. <laughs> Pujols, Albert Pujols, nothing to do with the All-Stars this year, but he was back in St. Louis for the first time in tons of years. Boy, did they welcome him and, back. Oh, oh they my so God. to see him. Beautiful, beautiful videos, including another emotional kid. But not only did Pujols come over and hug that kid, but he took the shirt off his back. Mind you, best part of the video right there and signed it. (laughs) Oh, I get it. Gave it to the kid. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Okay. Back to All-Star. Sorry. Back to the outfield. Yay. Michael Brantley from the Astros, my pick on the American League and hooray. Mike Trout of the Angels. I hear he's a weatherman and that's why Potty Mouth picked him also. In the American League outfield running. Um, Byron Buxton, my last year's boyfriend of the Hello Twins, just missed. And we were both right, but so was the entire country about the National League as far as Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich making the All-Star team. Cody Bellinger got some hugs this week, too. This is just a huggy week. I like hugs. Some woman just ran onto the field and hugged him. And she was I thought you were in Boston. I <laughs> Yeah, it it really, if you look at the video, you can tell it is not me. I would have been wearing sunglasses and my hair tied back. But <laughs> she's she's hugging on to him and the cops are pulling her off. And now she's, you know, just a social media phenomenon. Uh, some, some picks that got in that I'm not happy about are my very own double boyfriend, who I picked last year and this year, Mookie Betts, who I adore. But he's really not having a banner year. So he did it sort of on popularity contest. He's a great guy, but you know there are, there were other guys with way better numbers. And I'm going to say Aaron Judge too, even though maybe he's going to have good numbers, but he's been out for so long. Really, I I just don't like those picks, and it just goes to show Red Sox Nation and uh, Yankees Nation out there voting. Although the Red Sox only got two on, and they had much better people in other positions than Mookie is for the outfield. So I don't know. One of those positions is designated hitter, which is not a real thing. (laughs) It's not a real thing. In this made up world, there's this guy who all he does is bats because the pitcher is not actually an athlete, apparently in the American League. But anyway, okay, done with that. Well, maybe they wouldn't break their noses if they uh, focused on pitching and not batting. You want to bring up Max Scherzer (laughs) and how he he both hit and and pitched after that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll I'll take that one. I'll take that bet. Hey, I guess I, I, I put my money on Hunter Pence and he's in there. Potty Mouth, surprising no one, but also a very good pick, went for J.D. Martinez. And my current twins boyfriend, hello, twins, I see you. Um, Nelson Cruz is the third, was is one of the other um, DH picks. Yeah, the third. Yeah, because it's only in the American League because it's not a real thing. So we sort of <laughs> got, right. we're sort of three for three there. You know, interestingly, the, the National League teams did a teeny bit better overall than the American League teams. The Braves and the Cubs each have seven all-star finalists. The Astros also do. And then the Yankees have six. And then there's a bit of a drop-off and there's a bunch of four, three, two, one teams. Yeah. So the um, Atlanta team has been in town here and had a series against the Nationals. I went to two out of the three games and I was telling my companions who were not potty mouth because she wasn't there that as a policy statement, I don't like the Atlanta team because see Cleveland versus in the late nineties and I hold a grudge, but I do like a lot of individual players. And I like like six or seven of the guys and I look at the lineup and it's like the first six guys and they're all all all-stars. So I have excellent taste on teams that I can't officially root for. 
We are very fortunate today on No Crying in Baseball to have a very special guest with us. We have Perry Barber, who we had a little over a year ago for a way too short time and not good enough quality. And today we have our quality together and we have Perry here to talk about the Breakthrough Series, the MLB USA Baseball-sponsored Breakthrough Series. Perry Barber is a professional umpire, and she's worked at all levels, including um, MLB Spring Training. And she's incredibly dedicated to bringing more girls and women into baseball. She was last year's winner of the Sabre Dorothy Seymour Mills Lifetime Achievement Award. And hopefully, at a date coming soon, we will talk to her more about that and the process of handing that over. But we want to welcome Perry Barber to the podcast. Hey, Perry. Hi. Thank you so much for asking me to come on to your show. I'm really enjoying it so far. We are so happy to catch you at this time when you've just finished up umpiring at the Breakthrough Series. And we want to know more about how that was. The MLB was calling it the 65 best players in the world. So we would love kind of your impressions and a quick picture of what actually happens that weekend. Is it clinics and games? Is it lectures? Is it what, what happens? Tell us all about it. Breakthrough was unique in that it was primarily instructional for the girls as opposed to uh, tournaments that MLB has hosted out in California, where it's uh, just a tournament. The game, the girls play a game in the morning and a game in the afternoon over a series of four days or a weekend. But the Breakthrough Series, as I said, was primarily instructional for the girls. They played only one game a day. And because of the, the weather, the unpredictability of, of the weather in Florida this time of year, the games were scheduled for the afternoon, but we often wound up playing at nine o'clock in the morning. And one, one morning we wound up playing at seven forty-five in the morning um, because of the forecast for bad weather the rest of the day. So it, it's um, a, baseball is a game of adjustments and it was certainly um, a, a test of patience and um, determination to get those games in that those parents, uh, you know, were diligent and brought the girls to the field that early in the morning. And it was really a lot of fun. And everybody was very good humored about the weather, which um, could have could have made pe- some people pretty cranky. That's but, amazing. Uh, we got them in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That shows a lot of, I guess, dedication of everybody involved, both the players and the staff and being able to to spin that many people that quickly. Um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I tip my cap to the parents that you know, make sure that the girls are able to participate. And some of them have had to fight for them to do it. And still in 2019, it's pretty irritating to hear some of the stories, but that's just the way it is. Unfortunately, it's changing rapidly, thankfully, but it still happens. And so seeing those parents at the turn at the camps and the tournaments with their daughters, um, you know, cheering them on and, praising them and and helping them feel, you know, that they're worthy and competitive and that they can look forward to being leaders, that they don't have to settle for doing something that they don't really like as much as they do playing baseball. And that's what it's all about for me as an umpire, seeing that and, um, you know, seeing everybody get together and just be happy about being out there, being on the baseball diamond. That it just it's sounds really so exciting. Fun. What a great vibe to have. If you had to just pick out a couple of your highlights from the experience, what are a couple of memories that really shine? 
Well, okay. Um, w- one of them would certainly have to be working with a woman named Janine Lesko, who was one of the All-American Girls. She oh, I knew kicked- that sounded familiar. Yes, yeah. She uh, she comes to the camp to instruct and to inspire the girls. And, oh, they just absolutely love her. And she is a hoot. Um, and she was there as a coach and an instructor. And uh, one of the mornings, they had moved the game up from 3 o'clock to 8 o'clock. So the umpire that was scheduled to be my partner couldn't make it that early. So Janine, bless her heart, said, well, I'll umpire with you, Carrie. <laughs> we're the same size. I could probably fit into your, so I gave her a pair of pants and a shirt and a hat Beautiful. and she got out there and she called a, a hell of a game on the bases. I gotta say. And between the two of us, she's 84 and I'm 66. So there literally was a century and a half of, um, of baseball experience between the two of us out there. But so what, how that, wonderful that was... for the girls to see women in baseball, older women especially, to see that that was that... possible and it still is possible. Oh, thank you for recognizing that because that is very important to me when they get together and play in these tournaments to make sure that they see that there are women umpiring, women coaching, women, you know, doing the administering and, uh, you know, travel arrangements and just participating in whatever way they want to, whatever way it gives them fulfillment and satisfaction. So anyway, one of the other things that I uh, was really um, marveling at during breakthrough was seeing a player named Denver, um, Denver Bryant from Georgia, who I had first seen out in San Francisco at uh, nationals three years ago when she was 13 and now she's 16 and seeing the difference in the way she approaches her playing I mean, I, you know, I, I don't have children of my own, but I, I watch these girls and I feel like they're all my own daughters. And I just take such pride and joy in seeing them mature and grow into these wonderful, intelligent, thoughtful um, young people. And um, it, it gives me hope <laughs> um, that, you know, the world won't be destroyed at, at some point that they will somehow figure out how to clean up the mess that people my age are unfortunately leaving for them to clean up. But um, Denver just uh, has matured into a very um, team-oriented player, whereas when she was a little bit younger, she, I don't think she was quite as aware of the importance of um, playing for the team when you're a baseball player as for playing for individual glory. Um, and that's one of the things I also love about baseball is that there's room for both of those things within it. It's not one or the other. You can achieve individual glory within the larger framework of, of team um, teamwork and sportsmanship. And seeing that from her was just really wonderful. And I mentioned it to her mother, and I think the mother was just so happy to hear me say that, that I recognized that about the child that she had fought for to be able to play baseball and take such pride in. So uh, those are the things that, um, you know, stay with me. Uh, they, They are the emotional aspects about umpiring and baseball that are really important to me as a person. And one of the big reasons why I still am doing it after almost 40 years and why I still find it so challenging and fun 
uh, no matter what I'm, who I'm umpiring for, or what level or where, it's just all so great. You know, uh, baseball is it's just magic, really magic. And I know you feel the same way about it. We so. do. And I, I was going to break in and say, as the parent of an athlete, if you had said that to me about my child, I would have completely melted. And I felt like, OK, it was all completely worth it. Right. All those early mornings getting up and bringing your kid to practice and all the investment. Everybody and all the fighting, because these are these are the kids that their parents have had to fight harder to get them where they are. Yeah. And and get this. Uh, the mother that I spoke to about uh, Denver, her daughter, her name is Valerie Valier Bryan, and she was my umpiring partner that first uh, tournament out in San Francisco three years ago. She was umpiring back then. She and her partner Darnell, when Denver wasn't playing, um, they one of them would umpire, as, and when she was, one of them would watch her, and one of them would umpire. So, but then she became, uh, um, I think, a police officer or um, law enforcement, and she, I don't think she's umpiring right now. But it was great seeing her and telling her that about her daughter. And I think she sort of got the itch to get back out there again, which I always like to see. <laughs> to think that, you know, people see me out there having fun and they think, oh, wow, that doesn't look like, you know, such a horrible thing to do. And, <laughs> you know, even if, no, really, because people have this image of umpires as, you know, being yelled at and humiliated and just, made objects of public ridicule and some of that is true but that part of it is very very fleeting and it's actually a very instructive um, element of umpiring you know it's not fun to be yelled at and treated badly um, but like I said it, it is very instructive about human nature to learn how to defuse that kind of um, that level of vitriol or testosterone, which kind of flies around unchecked all over the place uh, when I umpire men's baseball. Um, but figuring out how to keep a player in the game rather than throw him or her out is one of the unseen elements of umpiring that a lot of people don't understand. They think we go looking to, you know, throw somebody out and that couldn't be further from the truth. So sure. it's all very right. interesting. You're right, because we only oh, talk about umpires when, when they do that. You're absolutely right. What what I've noticed so far in our short conversation is everything about umpiring and about watching these girls play all turns around into bigger life lessons. I, I like how you're doing that. It's like, okay, this is kind of a means to learn this about human nature or learn this skill that's going to take you places, even if that place isn't baseball. That's pretty impressive. That is exactly right. If you open yourself up to absorbing the information that baseball is so ready and willing to impart instead of building up defenses. And I mean, I see it all the time. A player will boot an easy ground ball. And instead of viewing it clinically and saying, okay, this is what I did. And that's the reason why I didn't get my glove on it because I took my eye off the ball. So next time I'm going to be ready and I'm going to be paying attention and I'm not going to let it happen again. Instead of doing that, some players, you know, they look down and they get embarrassed and they dwell on it and it affects their playing, you know, for the next three or four plays. And I've seen it happen to pitchers. One pitch that, you know, they want a strike and the umpire calls it a ball 
and instead of shrugging it off and saying, okay, well, that's the umpire strike zone, I'm going to throw it a little farther close, a little closer to the plate next time. So then it will be a strike. Instead of doing that, they get all angry and start gesticulating and making faces and they just lose total focus. And that's one of the things that baseball is very good at teaching people that uh, not to um, do what I call stuffing your emotions, because that's not good. It's not healthy, but to learn to channel them so that they lead you to a, 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 a pr they lead you through a process and to a conclusion that is productive rather than destructive. And I, I see it a lot. I, you know what? The best instance I can think of to describe that is the difference between Jose Canseco and his twin brother, Ozzy. When I was umpiring in the Atlantic League, both of them were umpiring at the same time. Both of them were playing at the same time for the Newark Bears. And it was easy to see why Jose had carved out a successful career in the major leagues for himself for so long and why Ozzy hadn't. It was because Ozzy could not control his emotions on the baseball field. He would totally lose his composure and let it affect his playing. And Jose was basically a cool customer. Um, and both of them, I, I have to say, were very polite and respectful to me off the field always. And um, Jose especially, he always. But Ozzy could get a little... Um, little uh, tempestuous out there <laughs> and not just with me, uh, but with all umpires. And, you know, like I said, it's not, it's not, um, not, not honoring your emotions um, because I believe people should do that. Getting angry um, is it's a natural human emotion. You shouldn't deny, you know, your anger because then you wind up sublimating it and, and hurting other people or hurting yourself in other ways later on that make no sense. So dealing with it right away by channeling it into something productive that doesn't wind up hurting somebody else or hurting myself is something that I've learned from baseball and that I think everybody could learn if, like I said, if they just pay attention instead of getting all defensive and saying, well, I didn't do that. And, um, or I, uh, okay. You know, it's just, it's like being in school and it's, um, a constant, uh, it, it's a constant life lesson, exactly. And it can be applied to just about any area of any relationship that you have with anybody in your life. Um, but you have to absorb the information and learn how to apply it to different situations and, you know, be willing to adjust according to what's going on. So H thank you, you for recognizing that. Uh, I appreciate that because that's one of the things that I love about umpiring that I think a lot of people... Um, don't see um, because they don't hear it, you know, from somebody like me um, and now from you. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. Have you thought about um, becoming a life coach in the off season? Because <laughs> man, <Yeah>. man. <laughs> I, I have a, a very specific question about the breakthrough series. Um, do you think that this series in particular helps to like create a path for girls and women to play baseball in college and maybe professionally? Or, or is it just sort of a recognizing I, that girls are already playing and that's it? I believe that was one of the purposes of this camp. There were a couple of scouts there, Robin Wallace, who was a scout for MLB, and I think Veronica Alvarez, who uh, was serving a dual function as a coach and a scout, um, were there to evaluate the girls' skills and pass on 
the information about what they had seen to, um, I don't know, schools or to USA Baseball, because USA Baseball, believe it or not, has a women's national team that plays international competitions. And so they uh, they are working now in concert with MLB to uh, get some of the really good young players together at these camps so that that they can give them a, you know, professional evaluation. Yeah. It sounds like that's overdue, right? For the U S national team that they haven't been prepared going into the international competitions. So long overdue because that's one of the big impediments to, um, getting any organization to girls and women's baseball right now. There are little pockets of, you know, a women's league here, a women's league there, um, Canada and Australia are way ahead of us in having girls leagues and women's leagues that play, um, you know, six months out of the year. And but Japan, we don't right? have an infrastructure like that here yet. And so uh, that's what's important about what MLB and USA Baseball are doing now. They're, uh, they're not yet setting up that infrastructure, but at least they're providing a goal, um, you know, a thing that the girls can uh, fix in their minds is something that they can work towards. Whereas, you know, 10, 15 years ago, once a girl was told at age 12 that, well, you should start playing softball now because you can get a softball scholarship, but you'll never get a baseball scholarship, which has always been ridiculous anyway. Um, But that was one of the big impediments to keeping girls in baseball, to keeping them playing on through high school and into college, because there's no, there was nowhere for them to do that, really. And um, now it's starting to happen that that is changing. So they do have a place to play after age 12 uh, as they go through middle school and high school and college. And then um, hopefully eventually, you know, to international baseball or wherever they want to go. That is even great. just locally. So and we're, no. we're hoping to help spread this good news. I mean, it seems like this is something that more people have to know about. I want to thank you very much because, you know, media getting the, the message out about umpiring through media now has made it so much easier to get that message out to girls that umpiring now is a, a vocation or an avocation that is challenging and fun and rewarding in so many ways. And that it's not all drudgery and being yelled at and, you know, just not having any fun at all. Um, it's nothing like that. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Perry, we are so grateful that you are out there doing what you're doing and showing leadership and providing inspiration and also, you know, saying the right things to the right people to keep people motivated and also to keep them in line when they need to be kept in line. We very much appreciate that about you. (laughs) Yeah, we do follow you on Twitter. We know. (laughs) Yes. I've said plenty of the wrong things. I, I I like to think of myself as a gadfly rather than as a, you know, I'm I'm not a um what are they called online a um an influencer. I'm a gadfly. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll sting until you start doing what you're supposed to do. And you know. So anyway, it's it's always uh rewarding to see progress being made on, you know, the getting girls and women into baseball front, because it was a very, very lonely thing for me for a long time. And now it's not lonely anymore. I have my sisters and my daughters out there. And, you know, when I, Janine, I don't want to say my mother, but 
uh, my older sister. <laughs> Maybe your aunt. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> well, that seems like a good place to wrap this up for today. But we hope you'll take us up on our offer to come back later and talk more with us because we really enjoy you and everything you have to say, Perry. Thank you so much. Thank you. And yes, I would love to come back and talk about the Dorothy Award and um, the woman to whom I am going to be passing it on in just a few days, Rachel Robinson. I would definitely love to talk about that. Fantastic. We will call and make a date, but we have to say goodbye for now. Thanks again. Thank you very much. There is baseball coming up this week to watch. That is not happening in this country. The Yankees and the Red Sox are going to London over the weekend. So the timing's a little weird of the games. I think um, it's like 10 in the morning Eastern Standard for one of them and maybe one in the afternoon for the other. But I'm super interested to seeing what a London crowd looks like while they're watching baseball. So I want to check it out. Can we have brunch at your house and watch? You know, we're going to have brunch on the beach and watch. Check <gasps> that are. out. We are going to the beach we next weekend. We could beach. even record from the beach. That might we be could. fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like this idea very much with a bunch of people who just look at us like, are you still talking about baseball? It'll be fun. It'll the, be fun. Love I love it. them. Yeah. I love them. What you need to be doing this week, we'll be doing laundry and packing for the aforementioned beach weekend. But Please make sure you don't miss Wednesday into Thursday afternoon is your one chance to vote for your your favorite all-star because this is it. Only one vote. Please do that. We have a Fantasy Boyfriend Baseball League that hasn't changed at all. So go back to our last week's episode and listen to the end. <laughs> it's a ditto. Yep. Ditto. And more ditto. In and around all of that excitement, or maybe while you're at the beach too, please check out some back back episodes of No Crying in Baseball if you enjoyed this one. Tell your friends if you think they might like to hear us talk about some baseball. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a show. And leave us a review or a rating if you get a chance. Until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. <laughs>